Challenges won't stop me. It's a strength and resilience mindset. Let me tell you, it's not ignoring the difficulties in your life. Just look at it as a journey of seeing opportunities in the challenges and discovering who God intends for you to be. Whether it's host Melanie Brown's motivational messages or it's courageous women sharing the strategies and habits they utilize when navigating those unexpected turns. You can expect to become equipped and empowered to fight to overcome any challenge that dares to cross your path. The goal? Building and maintaining a challenges won't stop me mindset. Let's go. Joining me for today's strategy interview with Brenda Underwood. In episode 83, titled Dance with the Devil, Brenda shares some experiences from her traumatic childhood that filled her with fear, rejection, and insecurity. Are you familiar with any of those? When Brenda encountered God, she immersed herself in reading and studying the Bible. It was in His Word that she discovered courage, acceptance, and security. She learned that her insecurity stemmed from believing the enemy's lies. Believing what God says about us is integral to feeling secure. Brenda's going to share some effective strategies she's learned to implement when she's feeling insecure. I encourage you to grab a pen and paper as you'll want to make note of the verses that Brenda speaks aloud to combat the enemy when he is roaring loudly and spewing lies in her head. We must believe God's words they are filled with truth and are life-giving. Join me for my conversation with Brenda Underwood. Brenda, I'm so glad that you said you'd hang around for a little bit longer so that we could talk about some habits that you formed many years ago that have continued to help you overcome big challenges, little challenges, just those little annoying irritations. I am so glad to be here. I'm excited to talk about the habits that helped me overcome. And one of the biggest habits that helped me overcome really starts with a mindset. Understanding that the devil can never create anything because that's not his nature. He's not a creator. Exactly. And so all he can do is pervert. He takes the truth, he perverts it, swings to the extreme and creates a perverted truth, which is no longer truth, right? He disguises it so that you think we, it's truth. we believe it. Yeah. And so I think the biggest thing for me was to get to the place to love who God created Brenda Underwood to be, mm. to love who God created me to be before life happened to me. Mm. So in understanding and accepting who God creates us to be, whether it's the curly hair or the, the straight bone, straight black hair, which is, you know, what my mother had, whereas I have curly hair, embracing the diversity that God creates us to be, the different personalities, the different ways that we are. 
And that probably was the biggest thing for me to shift from a self-loathing, self-rejection. Um, my world is always going to be a world full of rejection to God accepted me. He put me into a new bloodline. There is a woman I was created to be when he knit me in my mother's womb that life perverted that the molestations perverted, that the rejection perverted, and that to get back to my true DNA, I think that the devil's biggest tool is to create insecure believers. Wow. I couldn't agree more because I know that I haven't gone through what you've gone through, but I have faced insecurity at times as well. The challenges that I went through have made me feel like even though you can't see it in my head satan has told me yeah they're looking at you going what who does she think she is and all the lies and for a long time i believed them and then i got in god's word and he told me who i really am and it has nothing to do with my physical body as you said my hair my curly hair girl we got curly hair going yes high five yeah <laughs> And it doesn't even have to do anything with what I do. It's about who God says I am. Absolutely. And when we get rooted where our only validation comes from the blood of Christ shed on the cross, we are not validated by what mama said, what daddy said, what the job says, what the bank account has, how big our 401k is, our marital status. When we get to the place where that is our only validation and we're no longer validated by everything and everyone else and what everyone else says, and we have a one man audience, life gets a lot simpler. People pleasing goes away. Codependency goes away. Allowing fear to dictate your actions stops. You're never getting rid of fear. It's a byproduct of the fall. But when you begin to become confident and I like what Michonne Evans calls it Godfident. Ooh. And what God created you to be, then that self-loathing and that self-rejection and that wanting to die stops because then you begin to see and embrace the jewel that God created you to be. You know, Melanie, you have a voice that is a frequency that is set for certain people to catch. They're, not everybody. It's not for everybody. Exactly. It's for the segment of people who tune into the frequency that God gave your voice. And so there's no need for comparison. There's no need. I need to be like so-and-so down the street or Sally up the way or you stop the comparison. You stop being conformed to the world. And now you have the confidence to stand up in who God created you to be and to grow. And that creates habits where you don't talk to yourself like you don't love yourself anymore. You don't let negative views of yourself to fester and feed and to grow. I have a tool that I teach my clients to capture their thoughts. And it's off of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, where when a thought comes to mind that you say Jesus is Lord immediately so that that thought is killed in its very infancy. It never gets an opportunity to grow and to fester and then to produce behavior that's sabotaging. I love that. And I do that very frequently because I learned that that habit many years ago, too. And it has been life changing for me. I would allow the enemy to get in my head and say all the things 
And I wasn't stopping them. I didn't know to do that. But once I learned that and realized by practicing it, how powerful it was, then as soon as something, whether it's somebody's comments or Satan is in my head telling me the negative side of things, I say, not even giving you one millimeter of space to take that. Now, one of the other things that I heard, and you probably have heard this too, is that an empty mind is just waiting for Satan to come in and just fill it up. But if we are filling our mind on a very frequent basis, daily basis, with God's word and what who God says we are and learning his truths, the enemy is still going to try to come and say things to us. There's not a lot of room for him. Then we speak up and we say, nope, not even going to listen to this. Then we fill ourselves up with what is in our head already, in our hearts. And that's what we believe and that's what we act the thing is that only 38, according to Barner research, only 38% of evangelical Christians read their Bibles once a week. That is so disheartening to know. And it's probably less than that because that statistic is about 10 years old. And so when we begin to think about filling our minds, we have to also remember that the Holy Spirit whispers and the enemy roars. It's very important sometimes for you to speak your prayer out loud. Oh, amen. I believe in saying things out loud. And that you speak to the atmosphere, not to the universe, because the universe is a created thing. It's not the creator. And so you speak to the atmosphere and command the atmosphere because that's part of what helps us stay in alignment with who God created us created us to be, that we look at scripture as a book that shows us the promises of God and that we rightly divide it. And so when we look at filling our minds, you know, we want to, I use specifically 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, because it says no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So every time you declare Jesus is Lord, you are stirring up, as Paul told Timothy, stirring up the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. But it also comes in alignment with 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, where he says, take every thought captive unto the submission of Christ. And so God doesn't look at you and say you're ugly. God doesn't look at you and say you're stupid. God doesn't make junk. You know, so when we get in agreement with the accuser of the brethren, we give him permission to reign and rule in our hearts and our minds, which will produce behavior that sabotages us from walking in the promises of God for our lives. So I walked into life being rejected. And one of the greatest things was for me to become self-accepting. It's not, this is good or this is bad about Brenda. This is Christ or this is not about Brenda. This is keep or this is change about Brenda. And if what I'm saying is self-acceptance is distorted or perverted that says, oh, I can be selfish and I can be mean and I can be heartless. Well, that's not scriptural. That's not biblical. God is love. We are love. As he is in this world, so are we. And so anything that doesn't align with love isn't self-acceptance. Self-acceptance says that I no longer need you to validate me. Mm, Preach it, girl. I can love me and who God created me to be and love you in truth. Yes. And that probably pulled me out of depression. That pulled me out of suicidal thoughts, suicidal attempts, is me learning to love the skin I'm in. Whether it's size 16 or a size 8. And I've been both. Mm. And so 
learning to love the DNA that God created in me before life happened to me. Yes. And so when we get to that place, then we also can love people without expecting something in return because I'm filled up with love because God has filled me up. He has said, you are enough. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. You are the Mm. apple of my eye, the object of my affection. You are the head and not the tail above and not beneath. I have given you every spiritual blessing. Yes. When we believe that, then I can love Melanie without expecting anything in return from you. And not being in competition with each other. Exactly. Which is a big deal these days. Absolutely. I don't want to be in competition with anyone else. I just want to keep up with what God is doing in my life. Exactly. And making sure that I'm being obedient to what he has called me to be. If that intersects what you're doing, then let's collaborate. I don't want us to be in competition. And the funny thing is, as a dual certified business life coach, I certify life coaches. And people say, well, why would you go and certify your competition? I said, because they're not my competition. There's 7.8 billion people in this world. Trust me, I don't have enough time slots to help everybody get healed. My voice isn't for everybody. Exactly. My voice is a voice of transformation. God is not impulsive. God is strategic. And I love how all this loops back to the insecurity that all of us feel. And what you're saying is while we can listen to other people and hear what they say, both good comments and negative comments, really what it comes down to is we find our acceptance and our identity in God. Yeah. You know, and that when you look at that Godfidence, you no longer, when you are validated by the finished work of Jesus on that cross Mm -hmm. and you accept his DNA for you, then defensiveness doesn't have a place to live. Indecision doesn't have a place to live. People pleasing doesn't have a place to live. Galatians 1.10 is crystal clear. If I am pleasing man, I'm not pleasing God. And if I am pleasing God, then guess what? Some men are not going to be pleased. And when we're insecure, it causes us not to operate in what God's called us to if it goes against the grain of the conformity of the society. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we see young girls, I mean, young ladies out there showing everything they got to everybody who's willing to look for clickbait. That's insecurity. That's not confidence because a confident woman says, I ain't got to put my puppies on the front porch, but you still going to be drawn to me because of the integrity and the favor that sits upon my life because Christ lives in me. Integrity and favor and God living in you are far, far, far more powerful and in my mind more desirable than what culture says that I should do and say and be. Exactly. From what I can tell, what culture is saying and wanting me to do and be is going to lead me down dangerous paths that God would never want me to go down. But how do we stand apart if we're insecure, if we need the next 10,000 likes. We can't. We can't. And that's why it's so important for you to get to a place where you accept who you are in Christ. That self-acceptance also produces self-confidence, self-respect. Yes. And they start with self because no one else can do it for you. (laughs) I mean, audience. That's great. 
Audience, I want you to just think for a moment about the negative self-talk that you have. Would you talk to another human being the way you talk to yourself? And if the answer to that is no, then you need to stop and create the habit of self-compassion, self-acceptance, mm. self-love, and self-respect based on the foundation of what God says about you. And then you'll talk to yourself like you love yourself. And I promise you, Godfidence will take you further than competence ever could. Girl, that was good. I do think studying and learning about what God says is so important. It's not just about putting all this knowledge in our head. While that's great that you have all this knowledge, it's supposed to transform your heart. And if you're putting that knowledge in by reading the scriptures daily, I do everything I possibly can to do it daily, not as a check off, but as a, I don't feel right when I don't. Well, it's a get to do, not a got to do. Yes, exactly. And when I'm doing that, there are scriptures that may not even remotely to an outsider seem like about building my confidence or building my trust or realizing God has knit me in such a way to serve a specific purpose that he had in mind for me. I'm reading this and I'm, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is saying, Hey, that's about you, Mel. Did, did you see what Jesus said to her? It wasn't just him saying it to her. He's saying it to you. Do you believe that it was meant for her, but it can also be for you. If you would, and you would believe it, you would transform so much about how you perceive yourself. And as you mentioned earlier, about the interactions that I have with others. There's a reason why the cross, the long side, the vertical side of the cross is longer than the horizontal side. I grew up in Sunday school, and I'm a big believer that you read the Bible. Psalm 1 says, meditate on the Bible night and day. Yes. There's a whole psychological reason behind that, but for the sake of time, I won't get into that. But when we begin to look at getting in that Bible, it transforms our hearts because the issues of life flow from the heart. Yes. It transforms your heart so that you can then come into an alignment with keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. So when we think about studying that word and really chewing on it, not just to have head knowledge, but studying that word to really chew on it so that it becomes a part of your DNA. It becomes how you see yourself. When the enemy comes and says, you're going to fail, you know that the enemy is the father of all lies. So whenever he says you're going to fail, you need to get real excited because it's about to pop off. You are moving in the direction of success because the only purpose of fear is to hinder. Yes. To stop you, to say, yes. don't go there. That's not going to work out good for you. Yeah. If it's by God. God and he's directing you, then 
As you said, that's a lie. Yeah, it's a lie. And so when you begin to read that word, then you begin to stand on promises. I remember reading through Proverbs and I was like, I don't like Proverbs because I identify with everything that is wicked. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, God, is this really for me? He said, when you learn that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then you will begin to transform your behavior based on your identity. See, you still see yourself as sinful and wicked, but when you see yourself as you are like Christ in this earth, then you will begin to not do what Christ would not do. Yes. And I love in Proverbs how a lot of those wicked verses talking about the wicked man and their behaviors is coupled with what it looks like with the righteous person. That's what I want to take away. I want to look like that righteous person. I want to live like that righteous person. So Proverbs is an unbelievable book. It's a lot to chew on, but wow, there is so much to gain from, as you said, meditating on it. Meditating for me and my teacher background says that you read it out loud and you read it out loud several times because sometimes when you hear yourself reading it out loud, things pop that if you're just reading it silently, you wouldn't even notice. And then you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Hang on. I got to explore that a little bit more. And I am a word nerd. If some word pops out at me, I'm pulling out my Merriam-Webster dictionary app and I'm looking it up and saying, okay, God, why is this word popping out at me. And he's saying, because I want you to know this is about you and how I see you or how I want you to live. And so meditating for me is reading it out loud, looking up those words that pop out at me, and then saying, what am I supposed to do with this? What is what is this meant for, for today or in the future. And I call that being like David, because David asked the question when he was at Ziglag, God, can I go after them? You know, the enemy had came and destroyed the camp and took their wives and children captive. And David's 30 strong men was ready to stone him. You know, they went from being his boys to we going to kill you. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he asked the Lord, can I go after them? But that isn't the powerful question. The powerful question is the second question. He asked God, can I go after them? Like you said, God, how does this word apply to me? Right. The second question was, will I be successful if I go after them? So with David's second question, I think that when we look at exploring scripture, that meditation, so this is all about the habit segment. So I'm just going to give another habit. One of the habits I have with that meditating on the word is when I read the word of God, if something really stands out to me, a statement, a promise, an identity statement, I write it on different color cue cards. And so since I'm not a morning person, you know, you have to adapt to how God created you to be. I grab a scripture card first thing in the morning when I look up, it's one scripture and I can chew and meditate on that while I'm brushing my teeth and taking a shower and asking the Holy Spirit, teach me, show me, what does this mean? How does this apply today? And so after 20 years of studying the Bible now, I have a big, huge stack. Oh, I bet you do. And so that helps me to feed on his word besides having head knowledge, which puffeth up. Oh, you're using the King James Version, girl. Yes, puffeth up. (laughs) Head knowledge that puffeth up, but it's love that edifies. So now how can I use that word to be an apple of truth to the hearer, 
to the person who I may get an opportunity to minister some love to throughout that day. Yes. Let's circle back around to what you want the listeners to take away about insecurity. I want every one of your listeners to take away from insecurity that it is the voice of the enemy to be the accuser of the brethren and don't get in agreement with it. Know your roots in Jesus. Know your identity in Christ. Study your word, feed on it, meditate on it, not so you can quote it, but so that you can live it. Because his plans for you are for your good and not for your harm. That was an incredible summary of everything that we've talked about in this interview. I love the idea of exploring topics that really kind of hit home because some of the things that you said, I'm going, because even though I feel like I know who I am in Christ, Satan is not going to just give up and go, oh yeah, she got it. She's figured it out. It's a waste of time with her. Oh no, he still bumps up against me and still uh, puts fear in my heart or that sense of comparison or the lack of or things are not moving fast enough. Oh, oh, we could do a whole nother segment on that right there. Yeah. The, the timeline. Yeah. Where should I be at this moment in time in my life, uh, in my business, in my marriage, in my relationships? I mean, that one right there is the one that is chief for getting me. But if the enemy said that to Jesus, I'm going to come back, he'll, he left only for an opportune time. That means he has the Pharaoh spirit. He's going to keep coming back. He's going to let you go for a minute and then say, hey, wait a minute. We just let all of our slaves go. We need to go back after them. Yes, ma'am. No, I think that if Satan is coming and bothering us and putting those thoughts in our heads, that he's wanting to distract us, which you said earlier. And I believe that he wants to distract us from us following what God has put on our hearts for our lives and how we impact others and how we share the good news with others. If we're doing those things, he's not going to leave us alone. And this is the other thing that, that is really important about the enemy. He's not omnipresent. Yes. We, we, we like to give evil the same credence as good. It's not. He's limited. Only one third of the, in, of the angels were expelled. That means... Two-thirds of them still in heaven ministering on our behalf. Mm-hmm. So good is greater than evil. And this is the thing about the enemy. He can't, since he can't be everywhere, he is like a basketball you know, play a basketball boy. He's going to throw a negative thought at you. He wants you to catch it, add on to it, and keep dribbling that ball down the court so that then he can go and harass another believer. Because mm-hmm. he's not omnipresent. So we can not be like a great basketball player and let that ball just fall to the ground and dribble right on off the court. We ain't got to pick it up. We ain't got to dribble it. We ain't got to add to it and take all of our failures. And I'm going to give one last tip. I know that we said we we're closing. The reason why we learn more from our failures than we do our successes is because we spend more time dissecting our failures than we do our successes. Okay, I'm just going to end it right here saying that we're going to have to have you back so we can have some of these deep discussions again. 
This has been fantastic, Brenda. Thank you so much for doing a second episode. You're welcome.